Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, this week on the Paracast, it's just me, Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien is on assignment, and he'll be back next week. In the meantime, and we'll introduce him in just a moment, but we have a guest who's written a fascinating book called It Came From Ohio. And when I saw that title, I first thought of a movie from the 1950s called It Came From Outer Space. But maybe there's a slight connection we're going to find out from James Rainer. But right now, let me just tell our listeners that we've gotten some just really good reactions to recent shows. It's been all-star all the time. Last week, for example, we had Ted Rowe of NARCAP, the National Aviation Reporting Center on Anomalous Phenomena, where they call... You've heard of them, right? They call UFOs UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, and really gracious guests, a lot of good information. We had the wild, outspoken guest, George Wingfield, the week before. But a little bit later, early in July, we're going to be featuring our old friend Nick Redfern, who we've made a guest co-host because sometimes he comes back and serves in that capacity. But every year he comes out with a couple of really fascinating books, And his latest one is called Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind, subtitled Suspicious Deaths, Mysterious Murders, and Bizarre Disappearances in UFO History. That's coming in early July, Nick Redfern. But today, it came from Ohio. The author is James Renner. He's a journalist, he's a blogger, a novelist, and in his spare time, it says here, he hunts serial killers better you than me james let me ask you before we go on with a few other things how does one get involved in the hobby of chasing after a serial killer and do you ever wonder if they might chase back after you (laughs) you know when i was a reporter at this magazine in cleveland called scene and i also worked for the free times for a while we had this editor his name was pete Cotts, a big surly guy, an old uh, man from the sea character. I, I once went to him with that question, and I said, you know, what, what about these people that I'm writing about, these, these killers? Won't they come after me? And he said, Jimmy, they never come after the writer. They go after your sources. So don't worry about it. So, you know, I've, and, I've never, and he's right. I've, I'm, it's never happened where they've come after me. Luckily, they didn't kill any of my sources either, but they generally don't go after the people that write the stories. That assumes a measure of sanity or insanity, (laughs) and I don't want to start a trend. Yeah, right, right. Now, let me tell you another story. Now, back in the 1970s, I was working as assistant news director for a country radio station in Charleston, South Carolina. And there was a funny scene there where our news director would do an evening gig at one of the local TV stations. And you'd see him wearing this sports jacket or suit every night and one evening live on the air they pulled his desk the anchor's desk away from him and he was wearing shorts (laughs) so james renner obviously we're doing radio and we only see a picture of you somewhere in the woods probably escaping a serial killer with a sign on your left i'm going to ask you what that sign reads in a moment but let me ask you are you wearing shorts uh you'll never know You'll never know. Uh, I, I could be in my tidy whities and, uh, and, and, and a T-shirt on this end. I'll leave it to your imagination or your deepest, darkest nightmares, I guess. But uh, um, no, it's good to know I can get away with that. I'll play some uh, pocket hockey on, on this end. 
Remember, radio is the theater of the mind. <laughs> or they said a mind is a terrible thing to waste. So if it comes to wasting minds, we're here to do it. All right, let's talk about your book. It came from Ohio. Yeah. What inspired you to get involved in the weird, the unusual, the paranormal? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I was a crime reporter for about seven, eight years up in Cleveland. And what I discovered was I'd go and report on these crimes. And uh, I'd go into a person's house and I have to ask them about this murder or this serial killer or some scary person. And we talk about that case. And then it got to the point where I realized that people just, some people just wait until they find somebody that, that collects stories. And as soon as they knew that I was interested in collecting stories, even though I was there talking about a different case, they would invariably want to tell me about this one weird thing that happened in their life. Or this one weird story that they heard around the campfire when they were little. And I think people just um, give reporters, they kind of download all the weird stuff that's ever happened to them. And so I started collecting these random little bits of bizarre stories from across Ohio. And then in my spare time, I started looking into them the way I would research a crime. And I would go after sources, original source material. And I wanted to collect maybe about the top dozen or 13 different, uh, what I consider the most credible, weird stories in Ohio history. And so that's kind of how the book came out over the course of about 10 years. Now, this is not a large book here. It's no, a pretty it's, small book. It comes up to being like 112 pages or plus the cover. You yeah, can read it in a couple of hours. Sure. And, you know, the, one of the reasons I did that is is to make it, super cheap as an ebook. I wanted to get an ebook out there and, and get people so that they were familiar with my writing. And so I think you can even get it as an ebook for like two bucks or something like that. All right. So there is no excuse for anyone in our audience, we have a worldwide audience, not to get a copy if it came from Ohio. But let me ask you the most obvious question our listeners will wonder about. Have you personally had any unusual experiences you'd like to reveal? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll tell I'll tell a story that didn't even make it into the book. It's it's weird to share it because you know, I I consider myself a skeptic, and that's the way I went into researching some of these stories. Even though I came came out where you know a handful were stories I just can't explain even to this day. But this one thing happened to me, and I told my wife about this when we got together, and she she looked at me really funny, and thankfully still married me after it. But I was about eight years old, and I was living out in the boonies of Portage County, south of Kent, Ohio, which is in northeast Ohio. And uh, I grew up on this farm, and behind our farm, we had these Indian burial mounds, um, which is the perfect setting for a Stephen King story, right? Always, Um, always. (laughs) And we had the professor from Kent State come out and tell us, yes, in fact, these are Indian burial mounds. This is the tribe they were from, and this is how old they are. Just don't mess with them. So one day, I was out there with my stepbrother same age as I was. We were both eight at the time, I believe. Um, And we went very um, old school, went out to the woods to pick berries to make into a pie. His mother was going to make it into a pie. And so we were out there picking berries, and all of a sudden we both got this feeling that we were being watched. And uh, we kind of looked at each other, and then this, I I swear to God, this three-foot-tall thing jumped out of the bushes and kind of yelled at us. And it was... It was about three feet tall, maybe shorter, maybe more like two feet, two and a half feet. 
it was dressed in this raggedy, these raggedy clothing, and in my mind, would appear to have been something like, I mean, it looked like a troll. It looked like a troll from a kid's story. And so we screamed, dropped the berries, ran back to the house, got in trouble for dropping the berries. Eventually, um, the stepmother went out and, and, and got the berry bowl. And our parents got divorced shortly after that, and I didn't see my brother for many, many years. I tell my wife this story. She's like, nah. She's like, you're just remembering it wrong, something, you know, that can't be. It must be a dream or something. And I got to where I was kind of believing her. Then I was reunited with this brother, Kyle is his name. And we happened to be both be at the same birthday party. And this was just like a year or two ago. So 20-some years have passed. And I, I look at my wife and I said, I'm going to ask him about this. I said, you know, we'll finally see if he remembers anything. So I go up to him, and she's with me, and, and we're in the kitchen. And I say, Kyle, there's something about our childhood that I really need to ask you about, and it's going to sound totally crazy. You know, what if we don't do this break? It's going to be even crazier because every <laughs> single one of our sponsors will line up, and they'll complain they're not getting their announcements. They paid all these big bucks to get these announcements on the show, and it's not being announced. Our okay, guest well, is look. James Renner. The book is It Came from Ohio, and we're going to find out if his brother Kyle remembered this crazy thing that happened when they were together and they were young. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. 
Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your your credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Here on the Paracast is Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien is away on assignment. He's in Illinois, so we decided to get a guest we couldn't find one in Illinois. Of course, there are guests in Illinois. We got somebody from Ohio. It's James <laughs> Renner, author of It Came from Ohio. And when I asked him if he remembered any childhood experiences with strange things, he remembered something that happened with his brother. But they were separated for many years. They finally get together, and he asks Kyle, his brother, whether or not he remembers the incident. So? Yeah. So, so I ask him, I say, there's this... Uh, something odd I have to ask you about our childhood. It's going to sound ridiculous. And before I could get it out, he stopped me and he said, you mean the little man that jumped out at us when we were picking berries? And my wife, her expression just went totally blank. And her, you know, we both went white. Oh my gosh, this really did happen. Whatever it was, whatever it was we saw that day. A couple of years after that happened, I was still living on the property. I was probably about 12 or 13. And I went back out to that same area uh, out by the burial mounds, uh, I came around to turn in the path, and there was this thing in the middle of the path, in the middle of the woods, um, by these burial mounds, that looked like no kind of dog I've ever seen. It was um, kind of like a greyhound, except four times as large, and it had more fur than any greyhound I've ever seen. And it just kind of regarded me. And, uh, and I looked back at it, and then I slowly backed away and went back, went back into the house. So there are some strange things happening back in those woods that I've never been able to explain. 
Now, in that case, was it regarding you as a potential dinner <laughs> or an invader? I don't know. Now, the little person you saw with your brother. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking maybe it was a little person wearing some kind of coat or something. You know, maybe somebody left over from the Wizard of Oz and, you know, yeah. getting on in years and just hanging out. Well, he did have a giant lollipop. So, you know, I don't know. Um, Could it have no. been a child? <laughs> you know, oddly enough, that's probably the best explanation. I found out, you know, because I, I shared this story on Reddit um, one day. There was some question up about what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you. And somebody got back and, and sent me a link to a story about this um, a little person uh, who, back in the 80s, which the time frame fits, he was <laughs> going around uh, mostly Pennsylvania and West Virginia, but for kicks, he would go out to like Girl Scout camps or Boy Scout camps and wait in the woods and dress up like this raggedy leprechaun. And when the, the kids would walk by, he would leap out and, and try to scare them. You know, he'd take a couple friends with him, and they'd all laugh about it. And that was – so it's exactly what happened to us, but why he would decide to camp out in our woods is beyond me because it wasn't really a, a high-traffic area for kids. Of course, nowadays, parents wouldn't let their kids go anywhere. We live mm -hmm. in a different world nowadays. Oh, I know. I know. I used to ride my bike, all uh, my, my huffy two-speed all over the county out there. You have kids? I do. I have. Uh, I have two. I have a boy that's seven years old and a little girl that's two. Um, and the seven-year-old, you wouldn't let out of your sight. Oh no, 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 no. He he's, he joined Cub Scouts recently, and I'm you know I'm I'm hovering like a you know like a hawk at all of his campouts and meetings and things like that. That's the way it was when my son was seven, which was a long, <laughs> long time ago. We did precisely the same thing. Okay, so all told, James Renner, have you had any other unusual experiences? That you might you know, want to mention? We, we live not far from this place in Ravenna called the Arsenal. It's a military base in, in northeast Ohio that um, is not on any map. Um, but everybody that lives there knows has seen it and knows it's there. They just call it the Arsenal. I don't know what the real name is for it. But uh, there are a lot of reports about lights, uh, strange lights around the area. And on a couple of occasions, my father and I actually saw some strange lights in the sky, this, you know, four or five in a formation that would get straight above you and then disappear, you know, or things in the distance. And I lived actually where I grew up out there by the arsenal is one township over from this famous case where a Portage County deputy um, and his partner back in 1966 uh, encountered a flying saucer and chased it all the way into western Pennsylvania. I want to ask you about that next. Okay. But let's go back to this military base near you and what you saw. Then we'll go into Portage County. And by the way, that <laughs> incident found its way in somewhat modified form into one of the early sequences of close encounters of the third kind. And That's you also learn how sometimes a UFO sighting is so traumatic as to almost ruin someone's life. We'll get to that in a moment. Let's go back to your experiences. Okay. Yeah, it was mostly that. It was, you know, we'd, we'd see these bizarre lights in the sky, um, and they were unexplained, mostly over the, the area of the arsenal. You know, my I, I'd get scared because I'd be little, and, and my dad played up on that a little bit, too, because we're not far from the Goodyear blimp hangar. And I remember one day I'm, I'm in the house, and he comes running inside and says, the lights are back, the lights are back, it's right above us, I think it's an invasion. 
and I go running out to see what it is, and I look up in the sky, and there's just hovering above our house are these bright lights just right out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. You know, flying saucers have invaded us, and and then all of a sudden the lights formed into the brand that is Goodyear, and I realized it was the blimp. So in large part, what you saw was probably something conventional. <laughs> I'd say for the most part, what we were seeing was probably conventional. Our military aircraft, although the way some of these lights behaved out there were beyond any capability that we publicly know about. Anyway, Portage County. Now, this is the scene early in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And most of you have heard about the case. But there's something which the late Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story that James mm. is going to tell us about in a moment. Yeah. But he'll first tell you about the sighting. Of course, it was kind of exaggerated for the movie where you have these police officers chasing a UFO from one state to another. Tell us what really happened and what happened to one of the witnesses, who, by the way, is Floyd. Let's go on. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the story begins in 1966. Um, and we have 35 seconds left, so let's start it here and continue in the next segment. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, it begins in 1966. There's this deputy uh, sheriff named Dale Spar, um, and he is there with his partner, Wilbur Neff, and they're patrolling the back roads of Portage County, but uh, they've got the midnight shift, and it's about 4 o'clock in the morning, and they're driving down 224, and on the side of the road, they see this truck, and uh, it's a weird truck that has these strange military-like symbols on it, a triangle with a lightning bolt in the center um, with words around it that says, Seven Steps to Hell. And inside the truck are the, is all this electronic equipment. And so they get out to investigate it and figure out where the driver is. And as soon as they step out, this saucer, according to police reports um, that Spar made later, the saucer rose up from the trees behind the car and hovered above the road, and it was so bright, it was like daylight outside. The book is It Came From Ohio. We'll hear about Dale Spar and his partner, and what happened to Dale. More coming. You're in the Paracast. For the independent-minded, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Americans have always been ready to defend 
to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the freeze-dry guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the freeze-dry guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only $179, two cases for only $355, or get three cases for only $515, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the freeze-dry guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 there are many things the human body can do very well but maintaining the proper ph level isn't always one of them that's where alcavision plasma ph drops can make a world of difference alcavision plasma ph drops helps your body do what's natural just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches irritability cramping and insomnia alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss to learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance please visit alkavision's brand new website at alkavision.com same great products but now easier to use and more informative than ever before to get your very own plasma ph drops for just 29.95 call 800-518-7615 or visit alkavision.com that's a-l-k-a vision.com alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new alkavision.com this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. James Renner joins us. The book is It Came from Ohio. We're exploring all the weird cases. But the one in Portage County, Ohio where a couple yeah. of police officers, they see this flying saucer that just lights up the entire area. Mm-hmm. What it's, happened it's, next? It's like daylight, and um, so Dale radios in to dispatch and, and describes what they have out there, and he describes it as, um, I think Wilbur described it as an upside-down ice cream cone. Um, it was a saucer, but it had this weird little uh, part that stuck out on the top. 
and seemed to be using the light as a, as a propellant. Um, it was kind of like hovering on top of the light source. And they radio into dispatch, and of course, dispatch, what does dispatch tell them? Shoot it. Shoot it down. And so Dale Spar pulls his weapon, and when he does, this thing takes off down the road. And it's old Route 14 uh, that it, that it kind of heads down, this old, old route. So they get in their cruiser, and they give chase. And as they start going, this, this disc goes faster and faster until they're driving in speeds of excess of uh, 100 miles an hour. It's and, like it was allowing them to keep up, but not going too fast to make it impossible. That's what Spar thought. That's what he he said later on. He had a feeling that it, it won. It, it was enjoying the chase, or wanted them to chase it. Um, so this is a really good story in, in many ways, mostly because of the the witnesses, the credible witnesses that pop up around this uh, around this piece. Uh, you know, because they're all police officers along the chase. Um, Spar and uh, Neff are joined by police in two other jurisdictions, um, and so you've got three different police cruisers shooting down old Route 14 after this flying saucer. It must have been a very interesting sight for people to see as they're waking up that morning. And uh, they get all the way to western Pennsylvania. Uh, they cross the border into PA. And just as they're uh, getting across the border, uh, the cruiser starts to sputter. It's just had too much. They've driven it too fast and too hard. They pull into a gas station. The cruiser finally um, stops. It's dead. It never drives again. Uh, and the disc covers for a minute and then shoots up into space, never to be seen. Interesting that as soon as the car was disabled, the flying saucer pilots had enough? Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> Some, I, I, you know, I, I have my own theories as, as to where, where it came from, but um, that's, the, that's the, the general story that I had heard growing up because you know, I grew up not too far from where this happened, and it was always a rumor. And so it was one of the stories I looked into. And um, you alluded to uh, uh, Paul Harvey, right, um, the, the, the rest of the story. And eventually I did get the rest of the story. Um, now, understand here, officially the Air Force said it was something conventional. Uh, well, actually, okay, yeah, that's another part of the story we should, we should mention. Or at least the Air Force did, but maybe Dr. J. Allen Hynek didn't. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, after the sighting, they go. Spar and Neff return home. Somebody gives them a left back. Uh, the cruiser never works again. They they might have ridden with the tow company. When they get back, Project Blue Book arrives a couple days later, um, led by Hector Quintanilla and uh, J. Allen Hynek, of course. And they come into town and they interview Spar and Neff and uh, the other officers involved in the chase. And actually, uh, he- uh, Quintanilla speaks in the newspapers and says that what they were chasing was the planet Venus. Um, this is what Spar saw rising from the trees and lighting up the ground like it was daytime and and chasing all the way into western PA. You see, Venus was moonlighting. It, <laughs> it didn't like being a planet all the time and having a hot surface, so decided to moonlight. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Um, so Spar was so angry at that. And, of course, the papers picked up on that, and they they just had, had their fun with it. They, they made Spar look like this kind of bumbling idiot that chased Venus all the way into PA and really gave him a hard time. Um, he ended up, the last anybody had, inter, uh, had heard from Dale Spar before I reported uh, on it and started researching the case, uh, 
was about six months after the UFO incident, um, a reporter found him living out of a hotel uh, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on like making like $50 a week. He had lost his job as deputy sheriff. He had lost his family. He had gotten a divorce. Um, and it was all traced back to the story in that night with the UFO. And it completely, completely destroyed his life. Um, I, now, uh, understand something. Before I got a hold of you, yeah. I was doing some research on this story. Oh. Okay. And it was, was helping out James Fox and Tracy Torme, where they have a motion picture called 701 The Movie. And I did some research for them. And they wanted to decide whether to include this case or not. So I did some research, and everything that you check online ends at the fact that Dale Spar was found six months after the incident, living in a cheap hotel, <laughs> having given up his entire former life. Yeah. But you, amongst everybody, decided to find out what happened next, because that's back in 1966, and you're working on the book in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So what happened to Dale Spar? Well, I got lucky. What, what we did was we published the original story about this incident in Scene Magazine, and shortly after it was published, I got an email from Dale Spar's son. His name, he goes by James Evans now because he was adopted by his stepfather after his parents got a divorce. But he looks exactly like his uh, his father. Dale Spar was a abnormally large man, just all around big. Um, I think he was like six seven. It's hard to come across in the pictures, but just a giant. Um, and his son's the same way. His son's just a big guy. Um, he was in the Marines and not the type of guy you'd want to mess with. And uh, we met up at a place called Mike's Place in Kent, which was a, a very appropriate place to meet because anybody from that area knows Mike's Place is the um, CD restaurant with the giant X-Wing fighter parked out front that the owner made out of um, old uh, fabricated steel. So we met inside, and he told me the, the rest of the story about what happened to his father. And it's just as interesting. According to his son, and, uh, and I've checked this out enough to verify that Spar was where he said he was this whole time. Um, according to his son, after the, he was in that hotel living on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, he decided to move back to Western, uh, West Virginia, where his family was from. And he got a job in a mine out there, uh, an old coal mine. And one day, um, he was in the, 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 the lift, uh, and it malfunctioned. He fell down this shaft and uh, broke his back um, and uh, several other bones and ended up in this coma for about a month. And uh, James remembers going to the hospital to visit his dad when he was still in the coma. And in this hospital, and he was in the waiting room, or right out, I'm sorry, in the hallway right outside his room with his mother. And it was time for the daily um, cleaning and sponge bath. And the nurse goes in to take care of his father, who, mind you, is still in a coma. All of a sudden, and has not had a chance to talk to any of the doctors or nurses. They don't know anything about the story in Ohio. All of a sudden, the nurse screams and goes running out of the room. And they, when they finally calm her down, they, 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 they asked her what's wrong. And all she would say was, that is not a human. There is that that man is not human. There is something inside of him, and uh, um, so that's always kind of given me the creeps. And uh, so Spar eventually woke up a couple weeks later and recuperated. He moved to Lakewood and bought a bar 
called uh, The Avenue, I believe. A very popular bar on Detroit Street in Lakewood, Ohio, which is by Cleveland. And uh, that's what he did for the rest of his life. He bartended and ran this bar with his new wife up in Rocky River. And um, he did that for about 20 years until he eventually died of natural causes. Um, the one thing, the, the one other thing that James told me was that uh, at, he remembers being at his funeral, his father's funeral in 1982, I believe it was. And uh, this tribe of Native Americans showed up at the funeral. All um, right. That's a good cliffhanger. Why yeah. did the tribe of Native Americans show up at Dale Spar's funeral? James Renner joins us. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Imagine an acne treatment breakthrough that even Proactive says is better than Proactive. Announcing all new Proactive Plus, the revolutionary new way to clear your skin from the number one name in acne care. Proactive Plus is our best, most effective solution ever. And when you call 1-800-721-4255 today, you can have it tomorrow. Proactive Plus is the modern acne miracle that treats your skin beautifully. The plus means more. More precise, targeted medicine for faster, gentler acne prevention. And more skin-loving solutions so your complexion can look bright and beautiful. I am just so happy with Proactive Plus. I don't think my skin has ever looked this good. Call 1-800-721-4255. Be one of the first to try Proactive Plus. Guaranteed 100% risk-free. You won't see this limited-time offer on TV. It's a radio exclusive. 1-800-721-4255. 1-800-721-4255. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. 
Visit the Berkey Guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey Guy. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design Design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit drortman.com. That's Dr. O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We're on the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. We're having a little fun this week. We're talking to James Renner, offer if it came from Ohio. He's talking about the strange case of Dale Spar who was really traumatized after he saw a UFO. Now, James, how old was Spar when he died? Couldn't have been very old. No, I think he was in his 60s, I think. Early 60s? He wasn't that old. Okay. The question I have here is, how did the flying saucer get named Floyd? Yeah, yeah. So he always referred to this, um, this flying saucer as Floyd. Anybody asked him about it, and he, he would say, They'd ask him, hey, Dale, have you seen Floyd this week? Because uh, another thing that Spar had, had told his family and his, and his partners and his friends was that after the chase into western Pennsylvania, he'd go outside at night behind his house, and he said this thing would be hovering you know, above his house in the sky, and, and whatever it was was visiting him over and over again. And uh, he decided to start calling the, the flying saucer Floyd. Which is very interesting because Floyd is Dale Spar's middle name. So it was a, an odd choice, an odd choice for him. All right, so he kept seeing this object over and over again. Oh, yeah. That's what he had he'd mentioned to friends and family, although nobody else has come forward saying that they were with him when he, when he had these, these further sightings. Uh, I eventually tracked down Wilbur Neff, uh, Dale's partner, uh, who was with him that night of the chase. And Neff lives in Florida now. Uh, or did a few years ago when we spoke, and uh, he corroborates uh, everything that, from the reports and is adamant that what they saw that night was extraterrestrial, um, and, uh, but doesn't like talking about it. Um, his quote was that uh, um, you know, before he saw the UFO, uh, he'd always look up into the skies because he was fascinated by planes and all that. He said, uh, ever since then, he just keeps his eyes on the ground because it's brought nothing but heartache. I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> wow. Now, you said when we first started talking about this case that you had some ideas as to what they saw. 
Yeah. Oh, um, we had mentioned the Native Americans. Um, there's really not much more to that story, although the the family, nobody had invited this Native American tribe that showed up at Dale Spar's funeral. Um, they just showed up on their own, and, and you know, as soon as he was buried, they, they kind of quietly went away. So nobody, to this day, nobody really knows about, you know, what that, what that was all about. Um, but uh, I, I have some theories about what it could be. Um, you know, what I found interesting was a connection that nobody else had made before, which was um, if you keep going down old Route 14 in the direction that this flying saucer was traveling, you will come to the town of Kecksburg. Um, it goes right into Kecksburg. And, of course, anybody that's familiar with UFO lore knows uh, Kecksburg is the site of uh, a crash, uh, a supposed flying saucer crash that occurred in, uh, what was it, um, uh, 1965, December 1965. Um, so I've always wondered if what they saw that night wasn't a reconnaissance ship searching for this downed saucer in Kecksburg. The Kecksburg incident occurred December 9th, 1965. And we've had several shows about it over the years. Okay, so you think this was really a conventional aircraft, but then if they're outside and the craft is that close, wouldn't they hear a noise? Uh, You would think. Well, you know, here's here's the theory that I've come up with. you know, because we've got the arsenal out there, which wasn't far from where Spar started chasing this UFO. Um, and you, you have to remember the fact of how this all, all this started, which is uh, they were investigating this abandoned vehicle. And it wasn't just any abandoned vehicle. It was a, an abandoned vehicle that was filled with strange electronic equipment that seemed military Um that was parked right behind where this flying saucer supposedly came out of the ground. I think, or, or up from the trees, I think it was some sort of military craft, and that vehicle was there to fix it. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, the extraterrestrial connection that you could make, um, and I'm open to, to the idea that there are extraterrestrials, certainly. Um, you know, uh, the connection you can make is that whatever it was, you know, perhaps it was whatever they recovered from Kecksburg. Um, the arsenal is one of the closest places they could have shipped it. Maybe they decided to give it a test flight. Let's see if we can get this baby up in the air. And it came down in the woods. They sent a, a guy to fix it. Um, and when it came up, oh, my gosh, there's cops here. we got to get out of here. We can't let them see us drive it back into the arsenal. Um so perhaps that's what happened. That's the best explanation I can come up with. Well, it's a conventional explanation. Whether it fits the facts, I don't know. But certainly the thing here is, though, if it was a conventional aircraft, you think a middle-aged police officer would be smart enough to know that and not get completely freaked out over it. Well, I, I guess the ne- it depends on what your definition of conventional is. I, I certainly don't think it was a plane. I, I think it was either you know something that was recovered from Kecksburg uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think it was being flown by humans. Um, you know, was it a recovered extraterrestrial craft or was it a, um, something that the military was designing in secret? I think it could have been either one of those. Um, so I, I guess conventional is the wrong word. You know, it certainly wasn't, uh, um, you know, an airplane or anything like that. But I do believe it was piloted by uh, human intelligence. 
Now, have you done any further studies into UFO cases? Certainly, this is one of the more notable ones, particularly in the way that Dale Spar's life was so screwed up after yeah, it happened. Have you found any other cases worth mentioning related to UFOs? I like the, this case that, uh, that uh, there's another case in here I talk about, and uh, it came from Ohio, um, this case out of Mansfield. And again, it has military connections, um, and, it's, and it's good uh, from a reporting standpoint because of the sources. Uh, it involves four men um, traveling in a helicopter over Mansfield who encountered what they claimed to this day was a flying saucer and that they were captured in its tractor beam. And uh, it was a green tractor beam of some sort. It all happened over the skies of Mansfield. Um, and I believe it was back in 1972. Um, and I like this story for a couple reasons. Um, you know, each of, the, they were, each of these witnesses inside the helicopter were very intelligent people. Um, some were scientists. Uh, they all went on to do great things with their life. Uh, at the time, they were in the Air Force uh, Reserves, I believe. And they had just, w- what nobody had reported on, you know, everybody reported on this sighting and this encounter with a UFO over Mansfield. What got lost in the reporting was the fact of what they were doing up in the sky to begin with. They were coming back from a um, evaluation at Wright Pat um, Air Force Base. And they were flying back to Cleveland on this in this helicopter, and they had gone out there to do a series of psychological tests, um, which is interesting for many reasons. Um, Wright Patterson, uh, as anybody you know into this lore um, knows, uh, is supposedly where they took the crashed disc that crashed into uh, Roswell, New Mexico, back in 1947. It supposedly ended up in Hangar 18 out at Wright Pat. And um but Wright Pat's also known as uh one of the places where the military was developing very odd psychological and chemical weapons during the Cold War. Um so you've got these four men that had just had a psychological eval at Wright Pat and they they happened to encounter a UFO over Mansfield. Uh, I, I'm wondering if this wasn't some psychological experiment done by the military. Perhaps they were given some sort of psychotropic drug, um, and you know, either were the military sent an aircraft to intercept them over Mansfield to see how they would react, or maybe that was just mass hallucination. You know, that that fun uh, notion of folly adieu, um, and it just overtook them. You know, I think there's. It's more than just coincidence that they were returning from Wright Pat when they encountered this thing. You know, it would be interesting here to trace other sightings and find officers in the military who were at Wright Patterson and may have undergone this. You wonder how many sightings might have been the result of psychological experiments, and you got to be lucky that people didn't die as a result. Oh, yeah, and maybe they did. You know, maybe there are some instances, you know, you mentioned that the guy that's writing that book about fatal encounters with UFOs. I know there have been a few pilots uh, in the military that supposedly encountered UFOs that um, that crashed, you know, that, that people have died. Of course, there's the Mantell incident, but we don't know whether he underwent any treatment at Wright-Patterson. In any right. case, we've got James Renner, 
Don't know what kind of treatment he's had, and some people wonder what kind of treatment I've had. But that's another <laughs> story, because this is the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. The following hour is brought to you by MidasResources.com, your trusted source for precious metals since 1996. Call Midas today at 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's on special assignment. James Renner, author who came from Ohio, is joining us. And he's regaling us with some very unusual stories that are related to UFOs, but also other weird creatures. By the way, one of our listeners had dropped in a question about Dale Spar. His name is Burnt State, and he calls himself open-minded and critical. And his question here is, do you think... The singling out of Dale Spar as a scapegoat, which ultimately destroyed his life, is something that would repeat today with a UFO witness, or is society more accepting and believing of the UFO incident? It's an interesting question. Um, because, you know, basically he was damned in the newspapers when the Air Force said, oh, we're just chasing Venus. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Who knows the answer to that question until it happens? I, I noticed, you know... Lately, you know, the best sightings are from people that post 
you know, videos up on YouTube. And it seems that, if anything, the reporting is getting more um, anonymous and people aren't so concerned with who is actually seeing these things, but what they've seen because we've, we've got it on film. Uh, I will say this, uh, you know, speaking of film and, and, and these, these sightings, um, one thing that I did uncover was that uh, Dale Spar took photographs of this saucer um, and had the presence of mind to um, put them in a, in a roll and hide them in his freezer. Uh, but when Hector Quintanilla and the people from Project Blue Book came into town to ask him about this chase, he ended up admitting to taking these photographs and handed them over. Blue Book took them away. And to this day, nobody has seen that film, even through public records requests. Um, they've not turned up. So somewhere in some archives are Dale Spar's photographs of that saucer from that chase. It's all being kept in Warehouse 13. <laughs> you know, you kind of go back to the scene in the first Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie, where oh, yeah. the Ark of the Covenant is yeah. brought to the government. And as Indiana Jones's girlfriend leave this building, they're assured everything is in good care. And then you have this scene where somebody's sticking it into a warehouse, yeah, never to be great. seen again. You wonder if there's a warehouse somewhere or warehouses where lots of strange things are being kept and nobody wants to admit they have any relevance or they can't figure it out, so it's out of sight, out of mind. And after generations of changes in bureaucrats and military leadership, who remembers anymore? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, I guarantee it. Uh, you know, there's some secrets out there that are just sitting in a box in some old government building that uh, hopefully people, you know, <clears throat> when the demolition crews come in to, to wipe it down, you know, we'll at least open the boxes. And I think, may, you know, maybe we'll find some of these wonderful secrets at that point. But no, I thought that was the, the perfect ending to Raiders because that's exactly how it would happen. You know, it's in the end, the government is just bureaucracy. You know, they... Uh, they don't know what to do with these things. They'll just put them in a box and stick them in a corner somewhere. Listen, they can't find 100,000 vets who just want medical treatment. <laughs> this is true. It's very sad. Yeah, but no, that's exactly right. You know, we'll, we'll pay for these, you know, huge uh, needless wars, but, uh, you know, um, try getting the money for uh, helping these vets when they return home. It's, 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 it's very sad. My mother works at the works at the VA and I know a lot of people involved in in that uh, it's uh, it's crazy it's crazy we live in crazy times very unfortunately crazy let me get back to the questions here because a few relate to the UFO thing Joey K22 who has been a member of our forum since 2009 but has only posted 24 messages out of nearly 5 years in our forums and you were lucky enough to get 3 of them <laughs> come on Joey pick it up Okay, Joey K22. Number one, do you have any cases of men in black type encounters in Ohio over the years? Of course, you know about the men in black, not the ones played by Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, <laughs> but the ones who influence them. Yeah, um, sure. Um, you know, well, just outside of Ohio, the, the, the only one I've come across that it seemed that that was really going on was the, the Mothman uh, encounter, um, which um, is included in it, it came from Ohio because I actually found evidence that the Mothman sightings began in uh, West Salem, Ohio, the night before Mothman was seen 
in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Um, and uh, I, I traveled down to Point Pleasant and spoke to the guy that runs the uh, museum, the Mothman Museum. And uh, he says even to this day they'll show up sometimes. And uh, there was a, a young woman who was running the museum one night and claims that two pale-faced men in black came into the store and um, asked her very bizarre questions and then left and got into this weird shiny car and, and drove off. They didn't um, have this little stick that the light glows and they lose their memories. <laughs> Hey, you know, let me just mention something here. Before we go on with any discussions of Mothman, did you read John Keel's book, Mothman Prophecies? Um, I have not read the whole thing. I've, I've read excerpts, and I've looked into it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a fascinating character. He sure was. I knew him. And in oh. the final years of his life, I actually tried to get him on the PowerCast. And this was maybe the last year or two of his life. And... If you thought he was crusty when he was younger, he was extremely crusty as an old man. And we made the effort. As a matter of fact, I had a former co-host of this show leave a message on his answering machine. We got his phone number from one of our acting producers, Tim Beckley, who comes on and occasionally gives us some ideas for guests. And Beckley gets this nasty call from Keel the next day. Why did you give out the phone number? <laughs> okay, now let me just tell you that when I mentioned that fellow who studies cryptozoology and also serial killers, Lauren Coleman, he has the theory that, sure, of all the extra aspects and exaggerations of Mothman, most of them were owls. That's his um, theory. I would, I would say he's probably right. Um, I, I, that, that's kind of where I came up at the end of my reporting too. But I think it was, I think it's just as interesting an explanation as um, anything else. Because if it was an owl, which I think it probably was, it was either of a species that is no longer around or it was a genetic mutation that um, allowed it to be, you know, three times the size of, of what it should have been. If it was an owl, it was a, an owl that was bigger than any owl that we've ever had in captivity. Of course, we would go back to the pale-faced men in black or whatever. Yeah, what are they doing around if it's just an owl? Right, that doesn't make sense to me. Unless it was a genetic experiment. Maybe the people over at Wright-Patterson were <laughs> taking owls and saying, let's make them larger. We'll sure. screw around with their genes and see if we can grow larger owls. <laughs> All right. Uh, that would be that would be fun too. I you know I I, I don't know. Um, it's uh, I love that case because it's so weird. You know, it's it's not the typical UFO sighting or Bigfoot. It's something different. You know, there's that and you know the the Loveland frog, um, which is is in the same vein of, of weirdness too. We'll get to the Loveland frog in a okay. moment, probably in our next segment, because I think that segues well into it. But getting back to Mothman. The reason there's any mysticism at all about it or any mystery is because of the crash of the Silver Bridge. But understand here, what's really bad, the tragic state in this country is the fact that a lot of these bridges, especially older bridges, are not in terribly good states of repair. So in terms of silver bridges, there are probably too many of them around the country. With or without a Mothman, they could come crashing down. Yeah. And that's yeah. really tragic. It seems to just be a, a tragic coincidence for sure. 
Right. I mean, there was a book called The Silver Bridge from Gray Barker, where I he was suggesting in rather an allegorical way in the book that maybe this was the banshee, the creature uh-huh. warning of impending death. Yeah, and that's why the Mothman was around, right? Harbinger of Doom. Sure. Um, yeah, We're not, we, there's going to be a harbinger of doom here if we don't do this break. <laughs> James Renner joins us. The book is It Came from Ohio. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at one 800 686 2237 extension 129. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. 
Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganix. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Chris O'Brien is on special assignment with this Adventures Unlimited event and everything. He's in Illinois. He bypassed Ohio, but probably flew over. No, he's coming from Arizona. No way he'd be doing that. But maybe they took a detour. So he was looking for Mothman, just in case. James Renner wrote, it came from Ohio. So let's talk about the frog. From the Mothman to the frog. How's that work? (laughs) I love this story. Um, And the Loveland frog, it's one of those that I came across that uh, the first time somebody told me about it, I just laughed at them and... And, you know, you just don't know where to begin. Um, I loved it so much that uh, the Loveland Frog is actually, he becomes kind of a character in my first novel, uh, The Man from Primrose Lane. Um, and it's uh, it, his, the, the, the Loveland Frog part of it um, interjects, uh, you know, two or three times over the course of the main story. Um, but uh, here's, here's the gist. So back in 1972... And you're noticing a kind of a trend here with all these weird stories from Ohio. They all occurred from like 1966 until 72, 73. Something very bizarre was going on around here. Um, this uh, suburb of Cincinnati called Loveland, uh, it's this quaint little village um, on the banks of the Little Miami River, um, kind of out in the boonies out that way. And um, this officer was driving along a tight wee road patrolling the neighborhood, um, saw what he thought was a dead dog on the side of the road This uh, near the bridge over the Little Miami River. And he stops his cruiser, shines a light on it, gets out, and this thing kind of rises up onto two feet. And he describes it as being about five feet tall and looking like something cross between uh, a, a man and a frog, uh, you know, just this weird wrinkly skin, this big mouth and weird eyes. And uh, it, of course, what does he do? The, any police officer involved in um, first contact uh, with an extraterrestrial civilization or whatever this was, uh, draws his, his weapon and fires at it. And uh, this thing jumps um, away down the banks into the river, disappears. He's got to file a police report because he fired his uh, service weapon. So he files this report. The paper picks it up, just like Dale Spar. Um, it becomes this this news story, and they start ridiculing you know this this officer. Shockey is his name, and uh, his partner Mark Matthews. Um, two days later, 
um, encounters the same thing right by the bridge over the Little Miami. Sees the same thing, fires at it again, it gets away. Um, and it, uh, those are the two main sightings of what has become known as the Loveland Frog. And uh, um, again, I went into it, I wanted to find the nugget of, of truth that, that is behind all these rumors and myths. And so the first thing I did of, when I went down there, of course, is to try and contact Ray Shockey, this officer that encountered the, the Loveland Frog, and he's never given an interview about it. Um, and his partner, Mark Matthews, has only talked to one other reporter, you know, and it was when he finally talked, he, he, he kind of um, discredited his own story and said, oh, it was just, it was probably just an iguana that got loose from somebody's cage. And uh, so I, I asked Shockey about this and, and he didn't want to talk about any of it. He's, he's, he's like, I, it gives me nothing but grief and everybody makes fun of me. Um, and, and I said, okay. You know, and, and I'm turning to leave, and he stops me. He says, "Well, I will tell you this: it wasn't an iguana." And I said, "Well, what was it?" And he said, "It was much bigger." And uh, that's all he would say. So I did a little more digging, and I found something very strange um, in the um, historical society down in Loveland. I found these stories about the Twaitwee. Indian tribe, which is kind of an odd tribe that gets lumped into the other tribes of the uh, Ohio Valley, uh, Ohio River Valley. And, um, but nobody's really sure how this tribe fits in with the other cultures. They seem to be kind of apart from everything else. Um, there's a story about this group of French missionaries that came through the region back in the 1600s. And they wrote the story about how they encountered the Twaitwee people near the Miami River. And the Twaitwee people warned them of being called the Shanahook. And they said the Shanahook was a river demon, and it lived in the Miami River. And there was a truce between the river demons and the Twaitwee people where they would leave each other alone as long as they, they didn't mess around with each other. So um, they, said, they told the French missionaries, don't mess with the Shanahook. And they described it as a half-man, half-frog creature. Um, so their description of this thing that was living in the river matches exactly what uh, Shockey saw four hundred or three hundred years later, um, and that just gave me chills when I read that. So I firmly believe there's something we don't know to this day that's living in in the river uh, around Loveland, Ohio. Now, when you talk about strange creatures in the rivers and the lakes. <laughs> there is a chapter at the end of the book called Ohio's Oldest Monster. Yeah. Subtitle, this is going to be something we'll get on to for a bit of a discussion. For centuries, a sea serpent has stalked the shores of Lake Erie. What a place to go. Tell us about the sea serpent. I finished up this book a couple of years ago. Uh, back in 2012, I took it to my editor and publisher, David Gray. He's up here in, in Cleveland, and he does all my uh, local interest books. And I gave it to him, and he said, you know, look, I'd really like one more story. You know, we should have 13 in here. 13's a scary number, and, you know, I'd really want 13. I said, well, yeah, sure. You know, I'm sure I can find something. He said, well, I want you to write a chapter about the Lake Erie monster, the sea serpent that lives in Lake Erie. And I laughed, and I said, no, I, look, I, I want this this book, you know, I, I'm still a reporter. I still have some credibility to worry about. Um, I want it to be only kind of credible sightings. 
And I said, there's nothing I've ever seen that, about this Lake Erie sea monster that leads me to believe it could be credible. He said, just do some research, see what you can find. So I did. Um, I had, didn't have anything else to do. So I went over to the Cleveland State uh, archives of the old Cleveland Press newspapers and plane dealers and Cleveland registers. And uh, I decided to see, go back to the, as far back as I could go and see if there were any reports. And sure enough, I found a handful of old newspaper reports from the 1800s and 1700s that we had completely forgotten about that hadn't been mentioned in, you know, over 100 years. And there were these sightings of this sea monster living in Lake Erie, and they all seemed to be centered where the Sandusky River uh, empties into the lake over on the west side of the state, getting closer to Toledo than Cleveland. I found that interesting, you know, because if it was just a hoax, it would be systematically reported across all Lake Erie. But all the reports came from the same region, which meant to me that people were definitely seeing something. Were they all describing a creature that was more or less identical? And I'm going to have you answer that question on the other side of the segment because it is fascinating. And we've got so much more to explore. Lots of stories. The book is It Came From Ohio, True Tales of the Weird, Wild, and Unexplained. And then we'll even cover a little bit about serial killers with James Renner. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the total transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. 
At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective and it starts working in just days visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers and we've never increased our price in over 10 years that makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it a healthy heart is a happy heart call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Here on the Paracast, Chris O'Brien on special assignment. The book we're talking about with James Renner is It Came from Ohio. So looking at the Lake Erie sea serpents, do they all fit a specific description? They do. They all seem to be... Not the typical, you know, when you think lake monster, you think uh, Loch Ness monster. You think the kind of, it looks like an old plesiosaur, right? Um, these these all were more like a, a giant eel or something along those lines. Nobody really mentioned flippers or anything like that. Just a giant serpent that, would, that was on the lake. And let, let me just read you this very small report. Uh, this report is from 1898. Um, a hunter discovered four abnormally large eggs buried in the sand on the shore of Lake Erie. Believing the eggs were fossils, the man took them home. And here I'm quoting from the Plain Dealer. This is the major newspaper to this day in Cleveland, Ohio. Report from 1898. He put them in a blanket near the kitchen stove. He forgot about them, but when the family went into the kitchen the day following, they were astonished to see four snakes wiggling around the kitchen floor. The reptiles were from two and a half to five feet long, though no bigger around than a broomstick. The fosters have kept one snake, and since last Saturday when it was hatched, it has grown more than a foot in diameter. The paper confidently concluded, the west end of Lake Erie is still inhabited by sea serpents of no inconsiderable size. That made me a believer. I think there was definitely something in the lake, probably up until about the 1950s. I think it was probably a um, a freshwater uh, snake 
that has since gone extinct. Um, I think it was a large, some sort of large snake that uh, no longer exists. Uh, that's the only, the only explanation I can come up with because they were definitely seeing something. Well, the key being here is that you're finding conventional explanations for all these things. It's not something <laughs> paranormal or anything. It is maybe some kind of missing link or a few remnants of a species that no longer populates the world so much. And that's why you know I still call myself a, a skeptic uh, for the most part. But um, you know, I think these. Yeah, it depends on what you mean by conventional. You know, uh, to me. Um, a forgotten species or an extinct species of owl, uh, like the Mothman, or a snake like the the monster, or this this craft that the military might have devised that they encountered over Mansfield. That's as incredible to me as anything that that could be paranormal. I, and I'm not saying I don't believe in in the paranormal. You know, the the encounter I had with <laughs> with the little man and, and the giant dog out in the woods behind my house. Uh, you know, when I was eight years old, I think that was certainly something that was verging into the supernatural and paranormal. You know, was it a, I, I'm a, <laughs> a credible reporter, but I have to ask myself, you know, was it some sort of fae creature? Was it some sort of bizarre fairy? Was it, you know, what the, what the hell was that thing? <laughs> Any idea? <laughs> well, if we had the answers, this wouldn't be the Paracast anymore. This would be something about conventional science. But this follows Joey K22's next question, which is actually question three. We'll get back to question two in a moment. What are the most interesting cryptozoological cases you've heard of? We've talked about sea serpents. Yeah. What about, of course, Bigfoot? Yeah. Oh, Bigfoot's always, uh, always good, you know, for a, a yarn or a campfire tale. You know, I, I I investigated the Bigfoot sightings here in Ohio. A lot of them are seen around Salt Fork. And I, actually, I think there's some really good sightings down there uh, that date back into the 50s and 60s. And what surprised me is when I went down to Salt Fork and I started talking to the rangers that work there on a daily basis, um, you know, they were the first ones to tell me. And I thought they would, they'd, be, they'd laugh and say, oh, get out of here. You know, there's no Bigfoot around here. But the rangers are the first ones to tell you there's something in the in the woods out there, and they're convinced that there's Sasquatch. And uh, I spoke to this one ranger who said he was sitting in the post late at night. It was like two, three o'clock in the morning. Had this feeling that something was looking at him. Turned around and looked at the window that was behind his desk, and there was this hairy creature face thing looking at him. And and he jumped and screamed, and this thing kind of jumped back and ran away and. He ran outside to see what it was and couldn't find anything other than this horrible, horrible smell by the window. Uh, a professor, I think, um, a very credible person of some sort, uh, reported seeing a, a mother, Sasquatch, and a baby at a lake. And so a lot of Bigfoot hunters go down around a certain lake at Salt Fork and look for this this Bigfoot. But uh, I'll tell you, I've been down there, and the, the woods are enormous um and it's easy to get lost and if there is a bigfoot in ohio there's plenty of room for him to live down there and never be seen okay do you have a feeling as to what bigfoot really is obviously they're <laughs> seeing something are they seeing bears are uh, they seeing some <laughs> hermit in the woods who you know just left civilization because they they had it with the way uh, things are or they lost their job they lost their family and they just had to get away what well the 
the hermeneutic explanation is always interesting. I've always liked the idea that uh, what we're seeing is is uh, is Wookies that the crash landed on the Millennium Falcon 500 years ago, um, but that might just be from a comic book I read once. Uh, <laughs> um, but now, as far as far as what I really think they're saying is, um, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm kind of a on this one. I, I might kind of be a believer. I think there really is some sort of missing link. For if that's not what we're truly seeing here in Ohio, it's certainly I think what we're seeing up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, those sightings are too credible to dismiss, and uh, too many people have seen them. I think uh, it's a species of great ape, maybe uh, you know even closer along the lines between orangutan and and human. It's interesting, you know, when I was uh, uh, growing up, you know, out in the, on the um, out in the sticks, there was the, this one winter where there was a rash of Bigfoot sightings near my near my house, and uh, it was reported in the paper um, almost daily for a while. People were seeing Bigfoot, and it got to the point where obviously they were seeing something. There were too many reports coming in, and uh, and then um, winter got really cold, and all of a sudden the sightings stopped. Everybody stopped seeing Bigfoot. And and then in the spring, a couple of rangers in the nearby park system were walking down a um, a trail doing maintenance, and they came across a corpse of an orangutan. Um, and that's what people were seeing. That's what they were reporting as Bigfoot out by us. This orangutan got in the woods. It was somebody's um, you know illegal uh, backyard zoo, and there are a couple of them out that way. Um, and they had an orangutan that escaped, and they never reported it because they didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, that leads us, in terms of belief, to this question from Jeff Davis. As a skilled hunter, do you feel intuitively that there is an external agent involved in the scope of the paranormal, or as some, do you feel the paranormal is an anomalous projection or extension of the self-contained human mind that we simply do not understand at this time? So, like, in a sense, I guess we're creating our own experiences, even though they might yeah. be externally real. Sure. I don't know. Um, you know, what I think, here's what I think. I think we live in a very strange universe, a very strange reality. At least that's always been my experience. And I think reality is not as grounded in order and logic as, as we've come to believe it is. Um, you know, I think... It's not as real as it appears to be, um, and I think, you know, certainly, you know, even looking into true crime, which is, you know, what I do more often, you know, what I've come to find in reporting serial killers and uh, true crime in general are is this synchronicity that runs between everything, um, these weird coincidences, as some people would call them. Um, and it just seems to me that there's something more going on um, that, um, you know, we're in somebody else's story uh, that's developing over time. It's a little too ordered for it to be random and completely scientific and logical. We've got a lot more to cover with James yeah. Renner because you're in the Paracast. We are the 
premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. I'm Kay Swirling from KSCO Radio in Santa Cruz. I'm 93 years old, and I'm a big fan of Alex Jones because he has the courage to speak his mind more than just about anyone I know. Alex is just as bothered as I am about all the advertising you hear for toxic prescription drugs that make you sicker, not healthy. I prefer to give my body all 90 essential nutrients it needs for life to prevent disease, not compound it. 
My favorite complete supplement is Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity, which I take every day along with EFA Plus and Beyond OsteoFX. I recommend you go online to InfoWarsTeam.com to purchase these products and make them part of your daily regimen to get healthy and live longer. InfoWarsTeam.com Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. James Renner is joining us. The book is It Came from Ohio. Chris O'Brien on special assignment. He'll be back next week. And in the early part of July, we'll be featuring our old friend Nick Redfern, who's got a new book out called Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Are people involved in UFO research suffering an early end to their lives? I sure hope not. Let me ask you kind of a left-field question from Joey K22. This is number two of his questions, by the way. Here's Joey again. Joey's back. Joey, we're waiting for message number 25 next, okay? Are there any paranormal hotspots in Ohio? And for those who don't know what I mean, it's a region, a place that seems to attract more unusual events than anything else. What do you think? Well, sure. Yeah, I I, I think that was my backyard. Um, okay. Growing up, you know, with those Indian burial mounds. And, and no, I think there are a number of hotspots. You know, there are weird things that happen, you know, around Ravenna, you know, <laughs> south of Ravenna where I was living. Um, certainly, you know, um, people would say some parts of Cleveland are very bizarre. <laughs> um, I know some bizarre people in Cleveland, but that's yeah, another right? story. <laughs> Harvey P. Carr, the late great Harvey P. Carr. Um, no, personal friends. <laughs> Yeah, there there might be a few. Mansfield's always been strange. There's a lot of weird stuff going down there. Uh, you know, with the Mansfield Reformatory, there's a lot of stories about ghosts and creepy things that happen. And Mansfield has the giant robot Electro and uh, the museum down there that I always visit when I get a chance. And um, just one of those places that's far enough from any major city that it becomes kind of its own thing with its own legends and myths. Um, but, uh, you know, you get around Point Pleasant and Gallup Police where the Mothman was seen. Uh, yeah, there's a... I and mean, if you ever get a chance, you definitely have to visit Yellow Springs. That's a weird, weird place. That's actually... Yellow Springs is where Rod Serling, who hosted The Twilight Zone, is one of the most brilliant writers of the 20th century, in my opinion. Um, that's where he went to school, out at Antioch in Yellow Springs. And... I went out there to report on um, Dave Chappelle when Dave Chappelle disappeared for a while. And his his house is actually out there. So uh, Rod Serling was pretty weird then. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, you go out there and you realize that everything you're seeing in Yellow Springs was some sort of inspiration for one of Rod Serling's Twilight Zone episodes. Um, it just, everything there and the people there remind you of the characters and his stories and you just get this weird vibe. Um, and it's produced some very strange people, Rod Serling, Dave Chappelle, um, just a few of them or a couple of them. And, um, it's got, a, you know, I've always wondered like why I don't see old hippies, um, 
I, I've never encountered old hippies until I, I went to Yellow Springs, and it seems to be like where old hippies go to retire. Um, it's just this community of, 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 of hippies. And uh, maybe it's strange because everybody there is always high. Um, and there's certainly more head shops per capita than any place else I've ever visited. But um, And it could just be this weird secondhand uh, you know, high that everybody's getting from uh, everybody else there. But uh, something about Yellow Springs has always struck me as very paranormal, very supernatural, very bizarre. All right, Yellow Springs, let's pay a visit. Can you tell us of any specific events we'd like to hear about? Um, in Yellow Springs? Sure. Uh, the, the best thing I can think of off the top of my head is, so yeah, no, the, the, the only story I can think of off the top of my head about Yellow Springs is, that, is how back in the 1970s, you could call up the local pizza joint and ask for the special pizza with large mush, or with extra mushrooms. And of course, the mushrooms would be psychedelic mushrooms and, um, and they would deliver it to you. Yeah, here's you know peyote on on demand. Um, so it's just more of a vibe down there than anything else. Definitely visit if you get a chance, and it's not it's not far from Wright Pat. You know, if you're down here visiting Wright Pat, it's it's right next door. Now, of course, Wright Patterson. If you get too close, they'll stop you, or what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Wright Patterson is you know still this uh, very bizarre Air Force base. Um, supposedly where they, they keep uh, the crash from Roswell. Uh, I've been down there, and I've, I've investigated it. Um, oddly enough, a friend of mine from high school got a job at Wright Pat. Uh, he works for the Air Force, and he's a brilliant guy. Um, and every time we're together, you know, I see him maybe once a year uh, at parties. And uh, every time we're together, I'll ask him. I say, you know, you got to tell me what you're working on down at Wright Pat, just as a joke, and not thinking he's really doing anything. Um, and he'd, he'd always laugh it off. And after 9-11, it got to the point where he's like, well, you, you really shouldn't be asking me this stuff. Um, I, I, they want us to report anybody that's asking about Wright Pat. And I thought he was joking again. And, uh, you know, because, you know, it just seemed a little too paranoid. Well, one, one night, that's about seven, eight years ago, we're at a party and I get him super drunk. This guy gets, I mean, he's just five sheets to the wind. And, uh, and then I ask him what he does at Wright Pat. And he thought about it for a second, and he said, well, I'll, I'll tell you this much. He said, for the last month, I've been working on a project, and my whole pro- the whole point of what I was doing for this project was um, trying to turn this device on. And he said, two days ago, I finally was able to figure out how to turn it on. And that's all he told me, and I got goosebumps. So I don't know what what the hell he was working on down there, but it was interesting. He was working on something very interesting. I'll tell you, at least he got you frightened. Yeah, right, right. Maybe that was into his intention there. <laughs> he was deliberately trying to get you frightened over this. It could be. You know, I, I certainly didn't ask about it again. Now, when the book came out, and we know it's obviously a locally focused book, about events in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And except for Dale Spar's case where they went to Pennsylvania. Yeah. Did you find that readers were calling you on the phone saying, hey, something happened to me? Or maybe they wrote email to you or to your publisher? Yeah, yeah, um, certainly. And that's how all of these books kind of, uh, you know, 
came out and how these stories came to me. You know, I'll give these stories at libraries, uh, uh, these readings, and I'll talk about these stories at libraries. And afterwards, people come up to me and, and want to share their own stories. Um, it happens with, with true crime, too. Um, you know, people come up, you know, my mother vanished in 1970. I'd really need help trying to find her. And, um, you know, so you just write those down, and if you ever get a chance to look at them, you, you check them out. Um, I haven't had much of a chance to look into any of the stories that have found their way to me um, since that book was published. I've been um, focused on finishing up um, a new novel and, and uh, working on that end of things. I, I want to take what I've learned with reporting and use those tricks into telling uh, mysteries and writing about mysteries that I can actually solve, you know, so I have to write fiction. Uh, <laughs> well, that gives you the added benefit here. You create the characters, the situations, and you can take a mystery and find an answer, even though in the real world that mystery is never solved. Right, right. It's much more rewarding <laughs> that way, which is why I incorporated the, the Loveland Frog into uh, the man from primrose lane is it was an easy way to explore that story and then come up with my own uh very bizarre explanation for it you know let's think about the other creature that's the hairy creature that's in the room we haven't talked about not bigfoot but <laughs> werewolves. werewolves yeah sure everybody likes a good werewolf story um there's this uh werewolf that was spotted up up near uh toledo in this um town of uh is it defiance defiance werewolf am i getting that right um it's one of those it's a very bizarre um uh story that i'm not sure um again going into it you know how excited i was you know because it's like oh, come on werewolves really um but uh one here's here's what i liked about it was uh these stories came out of defiance uh, back in again 1972 um very bizarre time for Ohio, but people were starting to see this hairy monster uh, around these railroad tracks and uh, described it as a werewolf. And they said this werewolf came up and, and tried to attack them with a two-by-four. And uh, my first question is, what's a werewolf need with a two-by-four? Um, that seems a little bit of, a, of an overkill. You know, werewolves, they've got, all your, you know, they've got the claws and the, and the fangs and everything. What do they need with any, any other sort of weapon? Um, and then I, I realized this is about the time that uh, there are a lot of monster movies coming out, uh, werewolf movies. Um, I was a teenage werewolf and, uh, and and things like that. So it was kind of the, the fad, the craze at the time. Um, we'll get into teenage werewolves and other werewolves. And by the way, werewolves are still popular. We've got a TV show called Bitten, Teen Wolf. We've got a TV show called True Blood. Yeah. True Blood, of course, the final season. They've got all sorts of creatures there. James Renner is joining us. You're in the Paracast. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN.
Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the national account executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer the following hour is brought to you by midasresources.com Call Midas Resources today to protect your future at 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Paracast, the final four segments we spend with James Renner. The book is It Came from Ohio, and now he's focusing on werewolves who came from Ohio. <laughs> and I think of the old phrase from a movie long ago gone, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, the Wolfman, Lon Chaney. Right, 1941. They did a remake of that movie where Anthony Hopkins plays Larry Talbot's father. And I thought it was just the worst movie. (laughs) It sounds pretty horrible. (laughs) It was because his father ends up being the werewolf, too. His Uh, father bit him and made him into a werewolf. You know, it was more fun with the original movie where the person who bites him is Bela Lugosi. At least that makes sense. Bela Lugosi was famous for biting people. Tell us more about the werewolf. Yeah, I always like the movie Wolf. By the way, that's most people have forgotten about it, but right, very- Michelle Pfeiffer and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and James Spader. Right, um, James Spader, of course, of Stargate, and now Blacklist. Yeah, he's now always- we have the balding James Spader in Blacklist, <laughs> where he just shows how a great actor can chew the scenery. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, so there were these werewolf sightings up around Toledo, and. 
you know, there was this craze for werewolf movies, and it appears what they were probably encountering were uh, was was a, a crazy um, rail rider, you know, a, a hobo, you know, because again, you go back to the two by four and and the fact that this thing was always seen by the railroad tracks and this this old depot. That's probably what it was. There's probably a, an easy explanation for the werewolf, but I love the mythos of of werewolves. I'd love to believe that. Um, that could happen. I remember, you know, being terrified as a kid when I got bit by the neighbor's dog, thinking that I was going to turn into a werewolf at night around the full moon. So it's a fun idea. Uh, <laughs> I wish it were true. But you're not going to tell us that your hands became a little bit hairy. Well, certainly not on a, on the record. Of course. Well, this is totally off the record. <laughs> we're not going to deal with that. In the real world where people report werewolves, are they really talking about deranged people who maybe didn't take a shave? Yeah, that's probably what's going on. You know, I, I, I live in Akron, Ohio, and, you know, you go downtown on any given day, and I, I'd see two or three people that, you know, I, I would say kind of look like werewolves um, that just need some medication and a shave. And uh, I'm sure that's, what's, that's what was going on, but it makes for a good story, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love a good campfire story, um, you know. And, and one of the other stories I included in this was, uh, you know, one that was uh, not grounded in any uh, hard truth or report, uh, but was still very scary to me. Which was the the, the legend of Red Eyes that was told to us uh, Boy Scouts around the campfire at Camp Manitoc, which isn't too far from from Akron, and uh, it's a Boy Scout camp, and and uh, the way the story goes is, and, re, and and mind you, this is what they would tell us when we were 11, 12, 13 years old at camp for the first time. The ranger that was popular from the 1920s back in at Camp Manitoc was this very tall dude, and uh, he lived at camp all of his life. That's all he ever did. And uh, back in, in the 1950s, he finally passed away. And uh, at the time, the camp was having some hardships, and they didn't have enough money to uh, buy him a, a, a casket that could fit his frame. He, ne- he would have needed a special casket built for his large body. So to save money, they got a regular casket, and they chopped off his head to make room. And then they put his head in his lap and uh, buried him in the woods of Camp Manitoc. And if you're a Boy Scout and you're walking back to your camp at night, you may encounter red eyes, which are these glowing red eyes that are part of this detached head of this ranger. And they travel through the forest at night searching for the rest of his body. And uh, it's a story that they tell the Boy Scout, uh, the young Boy Scouts, so that they don't wander off away from their troop and get lost in the woods. Um, but uh, it'll scare the bejesus out of you um, <laughs> and when you're thinking about it um, in your tent later that night. Everybody loves a good campfire story. But no reality to any of that. Well, I didn't think there was. Um, and then one day, uh, I was about 16, 17 years old, and uh, me and a good buddy of mine named Toby and uh, Jeremy the three of us had their, our own little group, and we'd go explore at night and go cause mischief and hang te- toilet paper around other people's campsites. And it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and we, we walked away from our campsite heading down 
towards Concord Lodge in this section of Camp Manitoc that's just woods on both sides of this trail. And all of a sudden, Toby grabs my arm and looks out into the woods and says, oh my, oh my God, there's, there's red eyes. And I laughed, and I'm like, whatever, dude. And he said, no, look. And I look in the woods, and about 50 feet into the woods were these two glowing red eyes. And uh, I, the, the breath was just taken out of me. And, and I, I've never been so afraid in my life. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here we are. This We are experiencing something uh, paranormal, something supernatural. Um, and we may never live to tell about it. And um, so what do we do? You know, we're three young men at that time, and we start daring each other. You know, we're not going to run away from this thing. Um, but somebody's got to find out what it is and, and, and have an encounter with this thing. And we start daring each other. And finally I said, I was the youngest of the group. And, and finally I looked at Toby and Jeremy and I'm like, well, I'm going to go see what it is. And, and they said, yeah, you can't do it. You're too afraid. And, and I go running off into the woods after this thing, straight at red eyes, waiting for this thing to devour me. And I get to it and I realize I find that it's an old oil derrick, and it's slowly chugging away and drawing oil up out of this this uh, the the forest, this part of this this field, and uh, um, the two red eyes were the red indicator lights um, at the bottom of the derrick, and uh, this this little electronic box, and uh, but I see what it is. Of course, they're still back on the trail and they don't know anything, and so what do I do? I start screaming bloody murder and they scream and go running off to camp thinking I've been eaten by red eyes. Um, and you know, about an hour later I go sauntering back into camp and, um, they're cowered in their tent, you know, waiting for the police to arrive. Um, so that was, that was my encounter with the real red eyes. The real red eye being something very conventional. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yes, all my stories, usually end up back in the world of, of conventional explanations. Except, of course, when we get into things like UFOs and stuff like that, where things yeah. can be mighty weird. There could be some conventional explanations or a mixture. You right. never can tell. Now, someday I think I'd like to tell you the story about the Somerville, South Carolina light. This is where the ghost of someone who worked for the railroad is seen holding a lantern, which, of course, is the light. I went out there, I didn't see anything strange, but maybe I'll tell you more about it. Let's go back into the questions here, because I want to focus a little bit here, and we don't normally do this because we're so much on paranormal events, but you kind of think serial killers mm. are in themselves paranormal. So yes. question number two from Jeff Davis. With the greatest respect for your fascination and direct pursuit of serial killers, in your estimation, are these deranged yet highly functional serial killers a self-contained and therefore solely singularly motivated mission-based within demented and psychologically damaged human psyche? What a long question. Or do you feel that possibly an external form of evil comes into play wherein these individuals are directly influenced by a completely independent evil volition due to their inviting hunger for the same. In other words, he's talking about demons. I guess the question is really about demon possession. But you know what? We have to do the break now, and we'll have James Renner's answer and more about serial killers and about the ones depicted on TV and how close might they be to the ones who are 
real. The book is called It Came From Ohio. I came from Brooklyn, by the way. I'm Gene <laughs> Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. What good is a big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's Powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. 
Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Final three segments of the show with James Renner. The book is It Came From Ohio, but he chases after serial killers. We got a really involved question there from Jeff Davis, mostly saying... You know, are they just evil people or are they possessed or influenced by demons? What's your take? You know, oddly enough, I'm going to tell you probably my most unconventional story of the segment uh, of, of your interview. And it has to do with serial killers and not with UFOs and flying saucers and Bigfoot and things like that. So the, the crime that I've investigated the longest is the uh, unsolved abduction and murder of Amy Mihalovic. And she was this 10-year-old girl that was abducted on October 27, 1989, um, from Bay Village, Ohio. She was taken at 2.30 in the afternoon from a busy plaza uh, in broad daylight across the street from the Bay Village police station. Bay Village is a Tony suburb of West Cleveland, um, and uh, it's where the FBI, local FBI, it's where they raise their families. It's the safest community around. Um, and this happened in broad daylight right there. I became fascinated with it because I was the same age as Amy. We were both born in 1978. Uh, she'd be 36 this year. And uh, uh, it just was a case that always stuck with me because we were the same age. I was um, uh, living with my mother in Rocky River, um, which is right next door to Bay Village. I'd see this girl's posters, missing posters up all over the place. And eventually they found her body few months later in Ashland County. To this day, nobody's ever been arrested for the murder. Uh, I re- that was my first book. Uh, it was Amy, My Search for Her Killer. It came out in 2006. And all these other books kind of came out of that. I went into it thinking that after so many years, the police probably knew who did it. Just didn't have enough evidence to arrest them. Because that's what we see on CSI and, and Law and & Order. But when I started looking into it, I found something very bizarre. And that's that so many men had the means, motive, and opportunity to commit the crime. A number of men, um, at least 10, had taken note of Amy, and these were creepy individuals, and they all kind of were keeping tabs on her. And if she wasn't abducted by the person that took her, she might have been abducted by somebody else. Um, This was something that an FBI agent told me. He said, you know, if, if he hadn't taken her, somebody else might have. You know, perhaps what happened was she went to the plaza to meet with uh, a certain abductor, and then somebody else came and took her before that. Could be one of the reasons why it was so hard to solve. Um, over the years, I'd, I've learned of a man uh, who, at the time that Amy was abducted, was a school teacher. He taught science, at, middle school science in Amherst, which is not too far from Bay Village. A number of things were very interesting about him. He fit the description of, of the person that people saw Amy with and who led her away from the plaza. And uh, he had some run-ins with, uh, with kids in his school district. He was investigated for inappropriate behavior, things like that. Um, when the FBI finally started asking about him, 
and looking and digging into his background in 2005. He was one year away from collecting his pension and finishing and retiring from teaching. He abruptly quit teaching and disappeared. He showed up six months later in a homeless shelter in Key West, Florida, which is as far as you can get from Bay Village without leaving the country. He has since um, left the homeless shelter, is now managing the Wendy's on uh, Key West. And I learned about this guy in 2008. I had to fly down. I had to see. I had to meet this guy. I had to see him for myself. So I, I went down, and uh, all I knew was he was somewhere in Key West. And in my mind, Key West is an island. It can't really be that big, right? I get down there. Of course, Key West is just huge. And um, yeah, I really didn't know where to begin. I started showing his picture around um, at, at different uh, restaurants and businesses. And eventually I got some leads. They said, yeah, he looks like the guy that plays ragtime piano down at the, the piano bar. And uh, I knew that was him because um, he played ragtime piano in Disney World before he became a teacher. Uh, so I'd go down to the piano bar. And of course, the piano bar had shuttered you know, a couple weeks before and I just missed him. Actually, the first place I went to was uh, the Wendy's, um, and I had mentioned, you know, I kind of gave away the, the the twist of the story, but um, I, at the time, I didn't know he worked at the Wendy's, and uh, it was the first place I went because that's where he would take the kids that he'd shine to back in Ohio. Um, his special treat would be to take them for Wendy's uh, after school, and, and that's kind of how he groomed them, but when I went to Wendy's, I didn't see him there. I was looking for him in the in the customer line. Uh, or just hanging out in the restaurant, I wasn't considering that he might actually be working there. So I spent the next 36 hours trying to find him, hunting him down on this island. And finally, I decided, I'm like, look, I'll just go to the homeless shelter. And I started asking around the homeless shelter, and one guy said, well, if anybody knows where he's at, it's Mr. Frisbee. And I said, well, who's Mr. Frisbee? And, and the guy said, well, he's the guy tossing the Frisbee down on the beach. And so I went over and talked to Mr. Frisbee, and he's like, yeah, I know this guy. He's, you know, he's my friend. He looked out for me in the homeless shelter. Um, I said, where, where is he? What happened to him? And he said, oh, he's managing the Wendy's. So um, I drove over to the Wendy's, and he was supposed to be working that afternoon. And I talked to the woman behind the counter, and she said, well, strangest thing, he called in sick. I said, oh, that's strange. He said, she's like, yeah, he never calls in sick, and he called in sick today. I said, well, can you find out where he lives or do you have a phone number? Because, um, you know, I, I kind of bluffed. I said, I'm a former student. I'd really like to talk to him. And so she went and pulled his paperwork and, and she said, well, this is strange. He didn't list an address. Um, but I know he's got to live on the northeast side of the island because I see him over there sometimes jogging. And I knew he was an average jogger. So I said over there. And it gets to the point where I have an hour left on the island before I have to drive off and, and catch my flight. This sounds like a movie. Oh, doesn't it? It's it's it, it was it's a very movie-like um, situation that I find myself in. And uh, so um, I've got an hour left. I got to catch my flight in Miami. I have to leave, and I realize I, I'm not going to find this guy. And I frustrated, I stop at a stop sign in the suburban part of Key West, and I put my head down. And I and I'm not a religious guy. You know, I, I grew up. Um, I went to church, you know, a few times, but I, was, I wasn't raised in the church. And I, I just sent this message out, call it a prayer, call it a message to the universe, whatever. I just said, you know, I sent this message out. It was, if this is the guy and I'm supposed to meet him, I need help because I, I have to leave and I, I'm not finding him. He walked in front of my car at that exact moment. 
and he crossed in front of my car at the stop sign. And um, I pull over and I get out and I, I call after him. And we have this conversation on the corner of the street for 10 minutes. And during those 10 minutes, he never once denies killing Amy. You know, he says things like, there were things in his past that he doesn't remember. Um, and uh, it, the whole time I was with him, there was this uh, odd darkness uh, around him um, that is figurative. You know, it was something I felt, um, but it was also literal. Uh, I mean, the light was funny around him. Ooh, um, this is more fascinating than ever. And we'll right. find out about his encounter with this alleged killer in a moment. At least he's here to live to tell the tale. James Renner joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your 
major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. James Renner joining us. The book is He Came from Ohio. He also chases after serial killers. In this case, you chased after somebody that you actually encountered. For a moment, did you ever think this guy would suddenly strike back at you? I was almost hoping he would. Oh? Because... Were you armed and dangerous? <laughs> no, I wasn't, but... Uh, we were on a very busy um, intersection, and I figured, you know, if I pushed him, maybe he push him, meaning with my interview, not like physically push him. If I really pushed this guy with my questions, perhaps he would attack me, um, and then he would uh, he would be arrested, and um, that could be probable cause to search his house. It might have opened up some avenues for the investigation, but um, so I was almost hoping he would. You um, are really kind of pushing the envelope there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I think a psychologist might view it as self-destructive behavior. But, uh, yeah, I've been looking for this guy since I was 11 years old. You know, and, I, and you know, I think he's probably the person that did it. At the very least, I know he's a very evil guy, uh, you know, from the things that I discovered that he had done to other of his students. But, yeah, there was a... You know, talking about the paranormal and supernatural, there was a there was darkness around him. You know, and uh, do I? You know, I think the question originally that got us talking about this is, you know, whether there are things like demons. And um, I would say that encounter with that suspect, um, it's one of those defining moments where, yes, there was there was a demon there. Um, there's no getting around it. There was something. There was something uh, around that man. And, but there's uh, nothing that he told you that you could have used to go back to the authorities and say he's the guy. Well, um, that's not entirely true because I did specifically ask him, did you kill Amy Mihalovic? And he did not say no. You know, that's enough uh, in, in a court of law where it's almost considered a, an admission. He was asked a direct question and, and he didn't say no. Um, so that's enough to be called to the stand and to testify on that, that bit of information. Um, and certainly opens up uh, um, him for further investigation and, and interest for the, the FBI and, 
and the police in that case. Um, and I'm not the only one that has sensed something, especially with this case. Um, and I'd say hundred, you know, 99.9% of these cases have nothing to do with the supernatural or paranormal. But something about this case, uh, it does. You speak to the FBI agents who have worked this case for um, 20 some years. Um, I spoke to one, and you know, this is a very credible guy. And we're having this conversation about this true crime, this unsolved mystery. And suddenly, I, he gets to the point where he kind of trusts me. And he leans across the table and he says, Have you ever, what he said was, Here are the words, have you ever heard the voices? And I look at him, I, What are you talking about? What voices? And he says, Well, have you ever been to the site? where her body was found on the anniversary of her abduction. And I said, no, I'm usually at Bay Village Plaza where she was abducted. Um, I've never decided to be at that site. He said, well, go down there. Be at that site on the anniversary of her abduction. He says, I've done it every year since then. Um, He says, when you're down there, you will hear the voice of her killer. He said, I don't know how to explain it. He said, but every year I'm down there um, and about... You know, seven, eight o'clock at night, uh, when it starts getting dark, I can hear it. I can hear his voice. So, um, something about this case, there's something darker, something specifically evil about it. But certainly not enough to get the authorities to arrest this guy after all these years. Uh, you know, how do you arrest a guy? You know, you can't arrest a guy because some reporters come up to you and told told you that there's a demon <laughs> you know, around this guy. Um, they may even look at you and decide that you have a problem. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, I'm sure. You know, thankfully, there's another FBI agent, at least one, that has, you know, encountered the same thing. Um, you know, so I don't look entirely crazy. Um, and hopefully the, the the background and my other work has, has, you know, spoken for it. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, there as far as the case goes, they did assign a retired FBI agent, um, a guy named Phil Torsney, back in February of this year to reopen the case. Um, and he's a great pick. You know, Torsney is one of the guys that brought in Whitey Bulger over in Boston. Um, and he's clicking on this and working on it in his spare time. Um, and uh, if anybody can bring it to a close, I think it's him. So how many years is it now? Well, it's 89, so that, what does that make it? We're coming up on the 25th anniversary. Right. So after 25 years, there's no statute of limitations with murder. And you have to think here, if they get him for this one, there may be lots of other unsolved cases for which these people might be responsible. You would think, but I don't think that's the case with, with this one. Um, I think this, I th- one of the reasons we haven't caught him is he's never done it again. Um, I think this guy is a serial um, uh, abuser, but I think with this incident, he took Amy not knowing where it would lead. And um, the murder, I think, scared him so much that he's never been drawn to it again. Um, The suspect that I like for it in in Key West, Florida, the one thing that's very interesting from a psychological standpoint is when he was young, he was about eight years old, he had a twin sister. And she died when they were eight. And uh, when she was still prepubescent, which Amy was at the time of her abduction. And, uh, you know, you get into the minds of these serial killers and or abusers or whatever. And uh, one of the things you start to see is many of them are reliving these traumatic events from their childhood. And they're trying to recreate them in order to draw some sort of understanding from it. And I think that's exactly what this guy has done. 
and Amy was a surrogate for his twin sister. Um, and uh, it went beyond where he thought he was going to take it. And um, he's been terrified ever since then and has never committed another crime. At least, uh, at least that, at least murder. He's never murdered again. All right. This is something where maybe if we ever get an update, we'd like to learn more about it. But let's look at fantasy versus reality. Sure. So you have a fascination with serial killers. I think it's most blatant in a TV show called The Following, where you have this serial killer who has followers who kill because they worship him. Oh, sure. That's the Kevin Bacon program. And then you have Criminal Minds, where you have this special group of FBI agents who go out around the country and they trace reports of serial killers and they try to capture them. Now, obviously, they have to solve this in 43 minutes plus commercials. <laughs> and sometimes these stories extend week after week, like the following is going into its third year, this coming year, this third season of what, 13 episodes a season. So it's basically one long serialized story, whereas the others are usually one or two episodes. But then if you look at these TV shows, and certainly where they cover a serial killer in a Law & Order variant like Law & Order SVU, which is the current one, the last one that's available, or in CSI, how close to reality are these shows? Because supposedly they are inspired by real stories. Yeah. Uh, how close are they to reality? Um, about as, as close as um, the Twilight series uh, was to reality or, uh, <laughs> or SpongeBob SquarePants is to reality. Um, they have no basis in reality. I, 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 I have to say I, I despise the shows because of it because um, they've actually done damage. Um, they've created uh, a generation of potential jurors who um, believe that these cases can be solved easily, that every case needs DNA evidence, um, that uh, every case needs a smoking gun. Um, so it's, it's frustrating. Uh, I can't watch them because I know everything that's wrong with them. Um, uh, you know, and, and every police officer, you know, that's been doing homicide for any length of time will say the same thing. Um, and there's no basis in, in, in reality. And one of the things that you see on these programs a lot are the, is this idea of the satanic cult or this cult of killers or this, uh, you know, Satanism comes up a lot. You know, um, everybody wants to, to blame, you know, these unsolved murders or disappearances on Satanists that, that are sacrificing them to the the demigods or whatever. We'll um, get into the myths and the realities in a sure. moment. James Renner, author of It Came From Ohio, we're focusing on his interest in serial killers. Watch out. You're in the Paraclist. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. A sudden change in the wind. The day grows dark as ominous clouds move in and lightning begins to carve arcs in the sky. And you realize you are not prepared. I am telling you to take cover. The number of intense storms is increasing exponentially in the U.S. Tornadoes, hurricanes, flooding, and droughts are happening with greater magnitude and frequency. If you are choosing to rely on the government to save you... And no one's coming to help them. You could be dead wrong. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48. Visit us online or call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today. Remember, before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the Freeze-Dry Guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the Freeze-Dry Guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one two cases for only $3.55, or get three cases for only $5.15, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the freeze-dry guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here with another great idea from JasonLewisTeam.com. Now, how would you like an energy drink that's actually good for you? That's right, one that not only gives you an afternoon pick-me-up, but that's loaded with the most important antioxidants for reducing the damage from stress. It's called Pollen Burst, and it's a natural burst of energy that lasts for hours. Now, most energy drinks rely on a massive dose of caffeine, sugar, or even vitamin B. Pollen Burst takes a more balanced approach, and that's why I like it. I also love the the fact that Pollen Burst has plenty of vitamin D and green tea extract. This is the best energy drink I've ever tried. So trust me, you'll not only like it better than the others, you'll love the way it's individually packaged for freshness as well. They've got these on-the-go stick packs. They're great. Pollen Burst. It's available at jasonlewisteam.com or simply call 1-855-310-TEAM. For a natural burst of energy, it's Pollen Burst at jasonlewisteam.com or 1-855-310-TEAM. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Final segment with James Renner. He writes about true crime and also about paranormal events, such as the book that came from Ohio. 
So back to serial killers. So things are always cut and try and very simplistic on the TV shows. Everything is due to a satanic cult. So mm-hmm. the serial killer in general is just an individual who acts alone doing his or her skullduggery? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, there's been one or two instances where you have... Uh, I actually encountered one of the stories, the title story to a book that I wrote called The Serial Killer's Apprentice, which was a collection of 13 unsolved murders and mysteries, um, was about a serial killer, um, one of the rare instances where he was working with somebody else. and I found evidence that it was a serial killer that was training his uh, nephew um, in his trade. Um, so that that's kind of creepy. But as far as this notion that there are these satanic cults out there that are operating across the country that are abducting young kids and sacrificing them. Uh, that is just a bunch of hooey. To this date, there's not one credible, confirmed, verified instance of a satanic cult in the United States that have been um, caught sacrificing a kid or, or anybody for that matter. So it's, it's, I don't know why it became a big trope in TV. Um, because it's, there's nothing, you know, even in reality to pull from it. But uh, suddenly everybody believes that that's what's really going on. Um, the other common theme you see in something like Criminal Minds is there's some childhood trauma. Mm. He's trying to relate to his mother, which takes you back to psycho. He's yeah. trying to relate to some stigma that confronted him when he was a child or was confronted with other traumas maybe being abused by fellow kids or something. So therefore, he or she becomes a serial killer. But the other question is, how many are male or female? Is it mostly male? Oh, 99.5 are male. You know, the the few, you know, there's like one or uh, Eileen Warnos, um, you know, and one or two others. You know that are that are women, but that's another thing that really gets me is, and I've, I see this a lot in books, and it's part of, um, it, you know, it, it's it's grounded, I think, in feminism, which you know I'm I consider myself, um, you know, certainly I, I try and write strong women characters when I write fiction. I, you know, I'm very aware of of that, but uh, you know, this notion of making the the twist at the end of the story and that it's a, it's a woman that's doing the the, the serial killings. Uh, there's no basis, in fact, for that. It's 99.5% men. Um, women just, they just don't do that, you know? Um, you know, and part of it is the, you know, the, 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 the physicalness of it. I mean, you've got, if you, if you're that person, you're, you're taking this other life, you're taking this other person, you have to have the, the physical means to do that. And, and, uh, I, I, you know, I just think women are, you know, they have a grace in them that uh, is lacking. You know, I think men don't have don't have that that certain gene. Um, at least most of us. Um, you know, so I don't like that. You know, uh, this this thing that you're seeing a lot in in stories um, that they you know that, that they make the killer a, a, a woman. It just it's not grounded in reality. They want to have equal opportunity offenders on these shows. Also, obviously, they catch them in 43 minutes, except for the few that are used for a series arc. In the real world, is there a percentage of those cases that are closed? Or do you find that a lot of these cases, because of the complicated nature, never seem to get solved? Yeah, it's a depressing statistic, but I think I, I, think I encountered, it's like uh, 
you know, for all these unsolved mysteries and disappearances and murders, you know, only about a tenth of them are ever solved. Um, it's, uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes it'll take, you know, it, it could take 20, 25 years. Um, and even when you catch these killers in these, these tragic stories, there's really no closure um, that, that is presented the, the way they are in TV and film, which is one of the reasons I, I, I got away from it, you know, and I'm, you know, and moved into fiction, you know, screenplays and, and novels. Um, you know, I I'm having a lot more fun with it, and uh, yeah, I don't want to research anymore. I don't want to research another unsolved murder of a, you know, of a kid or a woman or a di- you know a disappearance in general because uh, um, you get invested in the people that are, you know, at the center of that story. You get invested in the in the families that um, of the missing. You know, I don't care to you know, invest my, my soul into that. Maybe it was the experience in Key West that did that. It probably was, um, you know, where, uh, it just, um, you know, you come out of that encounter just, um, a little worse for, for wear and you just want to do something fun. And so I, that's what I do. Uh, I have, I have fun writing fiction now and, uh, hanging out with my, my kids. And that's the only way to stay sane, uh, you know, for the, detectives that work the, these cases every day and thank god for them because i can't do it um but the detectives that think about these cases every single day for 20 30 years the only way they stay sane is they go home at the end of the night and they hug their kids um you know they're they're young you know they're little boys and girls and um that's what you need you need you need to be grounded in in family and you got to have um you got to have fun you have to wonder also how they manage to keep at this for 20, 30 years, or do they do their normal work each day, pound the pavement, do their investigative work, and maybe at night or on the weekends or when they have a little spare time, they say, you know, let me get back to this cold case and see what's going on. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably, and they get criticized for that sometimes. Oh, you only worked an hour on this case in the last week, but, you know, you don't want them working on this 24-7 for years. I mean, you got to think about what that would do to a person. But, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. The characters you mentioned, we see on these shows, the one thing I think they do get right is this idea that something traumatic happened in the character's childhood that led them to become a killer or, you know, an offender in some way. And I think that's that's very true. You know, every case that I've seen um, that investigated that, you know, um, that's that's true. You know, they they've invariably had some sort of trauma as a kid. Um, um, so that's the one thing they do get right. Well, in general, they do have advisors to all these shows. Mm-hmm. Policemen, policewomen, they have people from the FBI or whoever, and they give them basic information. They help them fact check procedure and things that happen. But the actual incidents, well, it's fiction. They want to keep you coming back week after week, year after year, and some of these shows just last forever, like CSI or Law & Order SVU is, what, going into its 16th year? Uh, Right. I mean, it's amazing. These shows never seem to end, and people still want them. It's like even NCIS about the Naval Investigative Agency. It's been going on year after year, and they get all these ratings, so obviously there's an audience for them. We're hardwired. I think humans are hardwired to love mystery. I think we're um, we evolved where we have brains that want to uh, figure things out, 
that want to answer puzzles and questions. And that's what's led us to be so successful. And I think instinctually we love mysteries and we love a good mystery. And there's no higher stakes for a mystery than a good murder mystery. You know, the, you're dealing with life and death. And um, so there's a reason why those, the stories work so well. You know, it's, it's what we like. We like this book. It came from Ohio. I had fun reading it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Where can our listeners find more of what you do? Actually, I, f- I forgot to mention this, but um, um, I'm actually going to be in Illinois, which is, that's where you're at, right? Well, actually, I'm in Arizona, but our co-host oh. is there this weekend. <laughs> well, I'm going to be at uh, the Illinois uh, County Con um, at Round Lake Beach on June uh, 28th and 29th. You can catch me there or uh, in Northeast Ohio. I've got jamesrenner.com is where you can go for my stories. Um, you can find The Man from Primrose Lane. A uh, novel that came out in 2012 that has the Loveland Frog in it um, at any bookstore across the United States. And uh, my next novel, The Great Forgetting, which you might like, it's, it's, it's all about government conspiracy theories and paranoia, um, comes out uh, next May, May 2015. You can also find us on Twitter. We're known as The Powercast. Look for The Powercast on Twitter. On Facebook, there are two Powercast fan clubs, and maybe we'll figure out a way to make them one. Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com. OurStrangePlanet.com, his new book, is Stalking the Herd. If you buy it from the site and not from Amazon anywhere else, you buy it from the site, he'll autograph it for you. How about that? James Renner, thanks for joining us on the Powercast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>